stumbled onto the sleeping giant. Let's throw our minds. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Sleeping Giant podcast. I am your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte, and I'd like to say thank you for joining me once more. This episode is the first episode of 2020, which makes it the first entry into Volume 3 of the program. Now, I'm pretty stoked about that, as I never imagined I would come this far. I think I've probably said that before, but I've since surpassed that point. Therefore, I still never would have imagined that I would have come this far. And I probably wouldn't be here either if I didn't know for sure that there are people out there who look forward to listening to this show. And for you all, I am so, so grateful. You give me the confidence and the desire to keep the giant awake and working. So thank you. If you're new to the show or you just plumb forgot, you can find the Sleeping Giant Podcast on social medias at the Sleeping Giant Podcast on Instagram and slash the Sleeping Giant Podcast on Facebook. And uh, if you're up on that Twitter, you can find the Sleeping Giant Podcast at TSG underscore pod. Also, you can now find the Sleeping Giant Podcast on Patreon. And uh, if in your feeling, like throwing a couple of bucks my way to help support the show, you can. You will get yourself a shout out on the show and plug any of your own projects or campaigns. I'll have more tiers and rewards as the year goes on, so do keep an eye on that. If you'd rather not part with them dollar bills, you can still rate and review the show on iTunes if you have not yet done so, um, or on Apple Podcasts, as the kids say today, I think. It, uh, it boosts the show and pushes it further into the public eye, so that is a huge, huge help. So again, if you don't feel like parting with your, with your money... Um, just a couple of minutes if that to rate and review the show on itunes big help to yours truly now in this episode we've we've got some patreon shout outs speaking of and some talk about what we've been watching here in the marcotte household as well as what we're eager to be reading and or watching this year also i will be giving a little preview of what you can expect from the sleeping giant podcast in 2020 starting before this very month is over, in fact. Now, in the meantime, y'all get comfy. We are about to begin. All right, so how are y'all doing out there? I hope that you're doing very well. I hope that the holiday season treated you all very kindly. I hope that you were able to spend any time that you were given, whether that be time off of work or vacation, what, whatever you got time you set aside for yourself, I hope that you were able to utilize it productively and that you were able to spend time with friends and family. And uh, maybe you didn't spend time with friends and family. Maybe you opted to spend time with yourself. That is totally cool. And uh, it's something that we all need a little bit more of, frankly. So I hope the holiday season treated y'all very well. Hope Santa Claus brought you some some goodies and uh, and that those goodies has have I should say enhanced your life in some way. Uh, our Christmas was really cool. It was 
one of the first Christmases, if not, I guess I should say it was the first Christmas that we have had, my wife and my daughter and myself, that we've had here that actually felt like a Christmas. Now, we've been in Florida for, um, hmm, I'd say we've been in Florida for probably about six years now. Maybe this is our sixth year. We moved from Athens, Georgia, and uh, we've been down here for a minute, and my wife's father lives here. He's from St. Petersburg, um, lives here in St. Petersburg, and, uh, you know, so we we spend time with him. He comes over. We go over to his place, have dinner and what have you. Um, we've, we've made a couple of friends here. They're actually his friends uh, from back in the day, high school, but they've since become uh, one in particular. Uh, this woman's name is Tanya. She's very cool, and she's become like family to us. And point being, we've all gotten together this past year, and we had a dinner. Um, traditionally, we cook, uh, or I should say my wife cooks, a roast, and I, I specify that she cooks it because she knows the deal. She knows the recipe. She just knows how to make that fucker taste so good and get so tender, and just the whole house is is just filled with, you know, the scent of uh, this delicious cooking meat. So we we've, we've got the tree up. Uh, we have our decorations, and uh, everything is just feeling very festive and. Uh, my wife's dad comes over, you know, Tanya comes over, and it's just, it feels really good. It's very nice to have people over, and uh, the the time spent with one another was good, and uh, crazy enough, uh, Jerry, my, my wife's father, got me two hobby boxes of Topps Journey to the Rise of Skywalker, which totally blew my mind. Those of you that have been listening for a while probably know that I am a very big fan of card collecting, specifically Star Wars cards, and uh, I was very shocked by that, very surprised. They were good gifts, and uh, I was very grateful to Jerry for that. Moving on, I would say that so far, January has actually been, it's been pretty fucked up. Uh, work, <laughs> Work has just been, it's been a beast. I don't know what's going on. I think mainly it's that if you work for a smaller company every year, you know the business owner will take a look at uh, you know take a look at the receipts as it were, take stock of you know where the money's at, where the money's going. So you know changes are always inevitable, and uh, things are just a little shook up right now, and it's been very difficult to catch up. It's been very difficult to work on the podcast the way that I wanted to. Um, so that's that's been a little unfortunate, but you know I'm still making progress, and I still have on, I guess. How would you say? Um, I have on the back burner some very cool projects. I've already done some recordings with some very, very cool guests that are going to be unfolded as the year progresses. So uh, I'm not behind the eight ball this go round. I'm actually ahead, um, but I haven't been able to devote as much time to the show as I wanted. But that's probably for the best. I'd like to be a little bit more spontaneous this year, so I think that's going to be something that happens. Now, uh, one of the things that sort of kicked my year off that blind, it blindsided me, honestly, I'm going to give a Patreon shout-out because that is one of the things that can and will happen if you become a Patreon uh, of the Sleeping Giant Podcast, or I should say if you become a patron of the Sleeping Giant Podcast. Uh, Mr. Jeff Glenn became a patron, and... That was something that was extremely cool. Very grateful 
for Jeff's help. Uh, Jeff Glenn is my friend from a long, 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 long time ago. We have been friends since we were both in high school. I was a freshman, I believe, when I met Jeff. He's a little bit older than me. Um, very talented fellow, very laid back fellow, and just an all around cool guy. You don't meet very many people like Jeff. He's one of those genuinely nice human beings. Uh, and I suppose you could sum him up by saying that he's a very genuine human being, which uh, it, it's been my experience that that type of person, to meet them, doesn't happen very often. They're very few and far between. And Jeff is is one of those guys who's just extremely cool. Uh, we played music together when we were younger. Uh, you know, he's super into RPGs, Tolkien, uh, all those things that I really love. And uh, in fact, Jeff got me into the Pixies, which I will always be grateful for. Uh, the Pixies are absolutely amazing. Uh, if you don't know the Pixies, I suggest you look them up. You've probably heard, I'd be willing to bet you've heard the Pixies at some point throughout um, your existence, but also your fandoms. And uh, so, yeah, check those guys out. But Jeff is actually the guy who wrote and recorded the music for the Sleeping Giant podcast. Um, when I started the show, I somehow I wound up with this track and I said, hey, Jeff, I mean, I'm trying to get the show off the ground. I don't know what I'm doing. I just got laid off from my job. I'm just I need to do something. And uh, I said, hey, can I use this music? And he was very, you know, very cool about it. It's just like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the the thing is, Jeff and I lived together at one point. When I came back from Montana, he kind of just let me crash on his couch. And uh, he had been working on what was to be the soundtrack to a video game, sort of in the style of Mega Man. And he had been working on this track that he had dubbed Blue Bomber. Again, Mega Man reference. He was working on it, and he's kind of poked his head out of his room and said, hey, um, you know, do you want to... Do you want to take a look at this track? Do you want to play on it? So me being who I am, I said, fucking hey, of course. Um, you know, any any time I get to work with you or contribute to one of your projects is um, always a very cool thing for me. Now, I said this one time to Jeff when we were in school. I told him, uh, and it was I was referring to he, to him and uh, another guy uh, who whom I don't speak to at this point, which is somewhat ironic. But um, I said, you know, I, I really look up to you guys. You guys are a big fan of you guys, you know. And uh, that has not changed throughout the years. I'm a big fan of Jeff Glenn. Don't really think that he's got any of the social medias, quote-unquote, that you can look up where he uh, is making public his projects and his music. Um, but if he does, I will find out, and I will update the show notes accordingly. But uh, huge thank you, Jeff. I am... I was just completely floored that you that you popped up and, and became a patron. So that's extremely, extremely cool. Guys, um, Mr. Jeff Glenn, uh, author of the uh, the Sleeping Giant podcast theme, uh, which he was very gracious, uh, or gracious enough, I should say, to allow me to incorporate <laughs> a hack solo at the end there that you can listen to at the end of, uh, of every show. Uh, so yeah, if you guys want to get a shout out, uh, it probably won't be as extended as that one um, if we haven't known each other for years, but I promise that I will do my absolute best. And again, if you go to patreon.com slash the sleeping giant podcast, you can become a patron for $1 and uh, I will give you a shout out on the show. If you have a podcast of your own, if you have 
uh, any type of project that you are currently working on that you would like to advertise or get out there, I would be uh, more than happy to do that. Now, with that said, I do have one more shout out, and that is to Mr. Patrick Davis. Patrick, again, uh, going back to Patreon, he um, he has a, a Patreon page where you can follow his art, and uh, that is www.patreon.com slash davisartsfi. That is where you can find Patrick on Patreon. Uh, you can also find him on Instagram. And <laughs> I am so professional. I'm going to look this up right now because I thought that I remembered his Instagram handle, uh, but I don't. It's pdavis1125. That's at pdavis1125 on Instagram. But either way, you guys check it out because Patrick's totally awesome and uh, he deserves every bit of attention that the internet can give him. So do it. Here's the thing about Patrick. He has been, how can I say this without trivializing it or minimizing it in any way? Patrick has been an outstanding help to yours truly. He's been an outstanding help to the Star Wars collecting community and that Patrick has taken it upon himself to order cards in bulk for collectors that uh, are part of this group. You know, he, he shoulders a lot of the, the, the burden of orders, the burden of keeping in touch with tops. You know, now that I think about it, he's another one of those genuinely nice people that you meet who you can just tell actually gives a damn about talking to you as a person and not, you know, just uh, some, you know, faceless entity on the internet or what have you. He's a very cool guy. I, I strongly recommend you check out his art. I strongly recommend you check out his Patreon page because he's got it going on. In fact, I think the last thing that he was doing as an exclusive on his Patreon was a sketch cover. It was a blank, blank cover for the Lando comic. And uh, he had gotten it signed by Billy D. Williams and actually streamed live the work that he had done on that book. So definitely check it out, guys. So what have we been watching in the Marcotte household? Um, well, a few things we have been looking forward to, a few, a few things we've been watching starting in 2019. Now, in no particular order, I'm... Uh, order of importance, that is. I'm going to go ahead and throw out his Dark Materials, which when we had heard that this was going to be a thing, we were both, my wife and I, very excited, but also apprehensive because this had been attempted once before. This His Dark Materials is a trilogy of books written by author Philip Pullman, and it had once been attempted with the Golden Compass, which uh, had a pretty interesting cast. Pretty, you know, there were some heavy hitters in there. Uh, but the movie just didn't work. At least it didn't work well enough to merit the two sequels that would be necessary to complete the trilogy of his Dark Materials. Now, I'm going to read this to you. This is the Google description of the show, His Dark Materials. And uh, it is stated thusly. Uh, we focus on the character... Lyra Bellalacqua, who, quote, during her search for a kidnapped friend, a seemingly ordinary but brave young woman from another world 
uncovers a sinister plot involving stolen children and a mysterious phenomenon called dust. Now, the program, His Dark Materials, first aired in November of 2019 and concluded its eight-episode run on December 22nd. The show was released by BBC One, which was confusing for me because I kept seeing BBC and HBO, but it was uh, released by BBC One and then distributed internationally by HBO, which is how we were able to see it. Um, so that that was kind of the shinola on that. Now again, His Dark Materials is the name of the trilogy of books, again, by um, the writer, the author, Philip Pullman. And it begins with The Golden Compass, which was released as a film, as I may have mentioned, in 2007. And uh, it <laughs> didn't do too well, but the, the <laughs> it's kind of funny. This, this was one of the stories that first garnered the attention of the Christian protesters that were all up in arms with a certain series of books and films you may have heard of. They're called, um, it's part of the wizarding world. It focuses on a character named Harry Potter. So anyway, <laughs> real fun, real fun time working at a theater, which I did and managing a movie theater, which I did at the time dealing with, uh, with some of these people. I remember when the golden compass came out, of course they were there. I'm not sure if they were sure why they were there. Um, the film does, or excuse me, the stories do deal with some intricate plot points, as it were, that I, you know, I want to get into, but at this point, I'm afraid to, because if I do, it's going to give away the underlying theme of the stories, which I would really rather not do. But suffice it to say, very much into these stories, very much into these books. My wife, Maggie, when we started our journey, or we're halfway through, or what have you, uh, reading these books, she was so kind, and she got for me a uh, German edition, hardbound, of the trilogy, His Dark Materials, which was very cool. Um, I was very much into learning German at the time. Still am. I study when I can. Um, but it was very cool. She designed um, plates and uh, and had them placed inside the books and it, just very thoughtful gift which is very cool i still open them up from time to time to test my knowledge which has not grown tremendously since then but hey <laughs> what can you do uh so the golden compass was the first book in the trilogy followed by the subtle knife and then the amber spyglass I will say that watching this show, the concept of an alternate Earth or an alternate reality parallel to the one that we know is a little jarring to the uninitiated. Um, the concept, for example, of a talking animal companion, which is part of you, your soul, it's actually referred to in the story as a demon, It, if you're watching his dark materials, it can come off as confusing and muddled at first blush. Um, but again, originally as a YA book series, um, you know, just speaking of the demon that is part of you, it deals with really complex and mature ideas that include notions of the self with a capital S, the nature of sin, which incidentally starts with an S, and ultimately the existence and relevance of God and a subsequent religious hegemony. 
Did I say that right? Hegemony? 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 I think I did. Um, so these are really heavy books, and it's a very heavy idea. Watching the show, His Dark Materials, if you can get past the first episode, I think, with the weirdness of introducing the concept of talking animals, um, which are, again, sort of, it, in D&D terms, your animal companion, um, it can be a little jarring, a little disrupting. I don't think that they handled that as well as they could have. Uh, my wife and I were looking at each other at times and, and just saying, well, who's talking? You know, because it was a little uh, frustrating and a little confusing to figure out who was talking on screen when it was actually one of the small demons, as it were, um, and they're not necessarily shown with any clarity. So it was a little jarring, a little confusing. Um, if you are into... If you're into fantasy, if you're into young adult literature, I definitely recommend that you check out His Dark Materials. Um, I would recommend that you read the books for sure, because having watched the first season, I will say that while it's a bit more faithful to the books than, say, the film, The Golden Compass, that came out um, over a decade ago, it it's still one of those things that you need to kind of throw yourself into fully. To uh, you need to immerse yourself to really appreciate the world, um, and the idea is that these characters live in a parallel dimension, parallel to ours in every sense of the world. There are so many familiar things, there are so many things that uh, that we share. However, the the differences are very subtle. Granted, having an animal companion who is part of your soul is not necessarily subtle. Um, but imagine living in the world that we live that we live in now, where this other aspect of you is contained in this animal. Um, very cool stuff. Again, uh, just exploring the ideas of original sin, exploring the ideas of who we are as a people and what our relationship is to to God and a Creator, as it were. Which um, the first season doesn't necessarily delve into specifically, but um, but as the story progresses, it definitely touches on those themes and asks those questions. So, um, again, a very cool series. I, I do recommend you check it out. Uh, it stars uh, sort of like its big screen counterpart, some, some pretty heavy hitters. Uh, one of the ones I'm most fond of is Daphne Keene as Lyra Balacqua. And you may recall Daphne Keene as playing X-23 or Laura and uh, Logan. <laughs> totally blank for a second there. Uh, but she was tremendous in that role, playing this, uh, playing this clone of Wolverine. And she's tremendous in this one too. Definitely a scrapper. You want to check it out. You have Ruth Wilson as the cold Mrs. Coulter. And then James McAvoy as Lord Asriel. And uh, Lynn manuel Miranda as Lee Scoresby, which, again, they're, they're very different from their big screen counterparts, but I do buy them, and I think that they succeed in bringing the story to life. And if you have access to this show or methods in which you can invoke this program, I do recommend you do so because it is, it is very well done. And uh, if you enjoy asking uh, scary questions and don't mind scary answers, then uh, I think this show's for you. Okay, so the next show that we watched, and I watched episodes of this in, um, alongside his Dark Materials. Ultimately, it was me that was watching this show, but it is 
Watchmen, which first aired on HBO in late October of 2019. And it is a sequel of sorts to the original graphic novel that was published by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, as opposed to the reboot or sequel that uh, that came from Snyder in 2009. It uh, The show ran for nine episodes, and it concluded in mid-December of last year, which I believe was the ninth episode. So um, going into this, I, I was of two minds. I feel that I am an Alan Moore loyalist. Absolutely respect the man in every way. He's inspired me in so many different ways. And uh, I owe a lot of the current shape of my worldview to Alan Moore. So there was some cognitive dissonance being a fan of Alan Moore and also wanting to watch this show and um, just having that sort of wide respect for what I feel is his creative genius and uh, the creative decisions that he made over the course of, of writing Watchmen with Dave Gibbons. So I'm going to, again, uh, read to you the the Google description of the show, and that is as follows. Based on the celebrated graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, the exciting and dark Watchmen takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 34 years after the original story. After a white supremacist attack on the local police department, which leaves only two surviving cops on the beat, laws are passed that allow cops to hide their identities behind masks. One of these cops, Angela Abar, adopts the identity of Sister Knight and fights racists while dealing with the decades-long legacy of the vigilantes. Now, the vigilantes, of course, being the heroes that we saw or read about in Watchmen, depending on how you got that. Now, um, the series is, wow, it's not heavy-handed, but it is heavy it deals with topics of extreme, to me anyway, extreme cultural relevance. It tackles racism. It tackles sexual identity. It, it tackles personal identity. And it's all, all of those themes or issues are touched on within, to me, uh, what is an organically spawned sequel that grew very naturally within the framework that was created by Moore and Gibbons. And I think that watching this and seeing how it further develops what I'll call legacy characters like Dr. Manhattan and the Silk Spectre, um, it does an excellent, excellent and profound job of doing this, as well as uh, B-listers from the original Watchmen series. It really fleshes them out and develops them and gives them a voice. One of the most interesting things about Watchmen is how it brings to the forefront right away the Tulsa race riots and uh, the what amounts to the firebombing um, that took place in 1921, I believe. It was a decimation of a prospering black community that uh, that as I'm watching this and I'm listening to other people react to it I'm seeing that it's actually a history lesson and it's bringing to light some very 
heinous things that took place within our nation that a lot of people don't know about. And their reaction has been very interesting to see and that, um, and that they didn't know about it and that they were shocked to find out that, that this sort of thing happened not terribly long ago within our history as a developed country. Um, so that was very heavy and it was fucking bold and fucking brave and just amazing in so many different ways that that was a springboard for the plot of this television show. Um, so it, it does uniquely capture Watchmen's outlandishness coupled with the brutal discomforts of what I can only call methodical racism and terror and how those two things are gloriously juxtaposed against the backdrop of the cast. You have Don Johnson, you have Louis Gossett Jr., um, you have Gene Smart, and they're all so convincingly real. Though, in my personal opinion, it's Tim Blake Nelson and his cold-blooded portrayal of Looking Glass that amazes me and uh, it, it's really something else. Um, you have the... Uh, what, <laughs> what I would say is the persistent fury of Regina King as Sister Knight. Uh, you have Yahya Abdul-Madin II. Um, you have Jeremy Irons. They round out, as powerhouses, they round out the roster of Watchmen or the, the, the list of characters. And finally, I, I think they all did a tremendous job. If you haven't seen it, do watch it. Um, it's, a, it's a great show. And I think that moving forward in time, HBO's Watchmen will be held up with its graphic novel counterpart as specifically culturally relevant to this nation. And I can't wait to see I can't wait to see it get the recognition that it deserves. So a couple of people actually sent their opinions of Watchmen to me via a direct message and Instagram message. I will start with Mr. Mike Winks, who sent his opinion of Watchmen. Mike said that it is one of the best TV shows I had seen in a number of years alongside The Mandalorian. So rich in narrative, tone, and production. Mike, I certainly agree with you, and thank you very much for sending that in. One of the things about Watchmen that I noticed is that it does have the richness, as you say, is uh, highlighted, I think, by a very unique and specific cadence that the show possesses. It possesses a narrative cadence. It, uh, it also seems to possess a certain cadence when it comes to the dialogue of the individual characters in, in the program. And uh, I think that's one of the things that is so amazing about Watchmen is that that consistency of richness. So thanks again, Mike. This next one comes from Mr. Steve Marcotte, none other than my dad. Those of you who regularly listen to the show will certainly recognize this fella. He sent a message to me regarding Watchmen. Uh, fun fact, uh, before I read this, it was actually my dad's copies uh, or I should say, my dad's copies of Watchmen were the first that I ever read. I was way too young to appreciate the series for what it was. But uh, yeah, he, he had a, a shelf in his office that was filled with uh, amazing comics. Um, 
that included Watchmen as well as Frank Miller's Dark Knight material, which, uh, which I mean, to this day is still amazing. I actually still have one copy of Watchmen, issue number 11, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, how many of these things, how many times am I going to address the fact that I had so, so many of those things stolen from me? I need to let it go, but it still rears its head every now and then and, and really stings. But at least I still have issue, actually, no, it's issue 12 of Watchmen, and I still have two out of the four Dark Knight Returns copies that uh, that belong to my dad. But anyway, uh, good taste there, and I'd like to think that I inherited at least some of that. So he sent me a message, and he said, The announcement that HBO would be serializing a quote-unquote sequel to the iconic Watchmen graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons was met with a considerable amount of skepticism. Would Damon Lindelof, hired as a writer and executive producer, be able to captivate audiences with his unique style of storytelling and remain true to the spirit of the universe created by Alan Moore and Gibbons? The answer is yes. What HBO showcased was an eight-episode spectacle filled with elements including, but not limited to, an unexpected history lesson, multiple and diverse character arcs, commentary on our current political climate, several where-are-they-going-with-this moments, and a cliffhanger that, if left unresolved, may probably make the series more memorable. In our current binge culture of consuming media, HBO's weekly release of new episodes kept Watchmen in the buzz of conversations for its run and now beyond. Instead of the water cooler, Twitter and Reddit were filled with questions. Some answered through the viewings, and some never answered. But they may not ever need to be. HBO's Watchmen is one of the best viewing experiences out there, visually and intellectually stunning. Please watch, and when you are done, ask yourself, when is an egg merely an egg? Well done, Dad. Damn, I, I should just hang up the headphones and you should take over. That was exceptionally well-written and thought out, and thank you very much for submitting that. All said, I think that we can glean that Watchmen is a very worthwhile program, and uh, if anything, it should be viewed uh, just to round out your uh, collection of, of media viewing, your collection of stories ingested and and hopefully considered. I think that Watchmen is, is truly an accomplishment. Finally, the last program my wife and I watched together was The Witcher. We actually watched this series. Uh, we didn't quite binge it, but we did watch it a couple of episodes at a time because it was so compelling. Neither one of us really had any preconceived notion of what this was going to be about. We we knew that it had been a series of books. We knew that it was a series of very popular games. Uh, my little brother Sam, actually being a big fan of those, he, he told me a lot about The Witcher uh, well before the show was in development. And then we sort of touched base again on The Witcher after the program had come out. And he seems to think that it captured the essence of the the series and the essence of the characters pretty well. Uh, I thought that it was super fun. And again, having no expectations, I think I was allowed to kind of have that sort of uninhibited fun. Um, I don't want to say too much more about The Witcher, though, because my wife and I 
are planning a tag team episode of The Witcher later this year. But suffice it to say, it is high fantasy. Um, it's filled with with monsters, boobs, and blood. Uh, I mean, what else? What else can I say? What else do you need? Uh, a lot of times, uh, and I will say this: a lot of times that can be pretty gratuitous. But I think The Witcher does something that a lot of other shows don't do, at least not in the genre right now, and that is with the focus of Henry Cavill as uh, Geralt, the uh, the titular witcher. Say that three times fast. Should I try it? No, I'm not going to. Um, he is sort of a, I don't want to say beacon necessarily, but he is a level in a world of extremes, extreme beliefs, extreme ideas, and extreme behaviors, and he seems to be the calm center of all of these things happening, uh, whether they be um, uh, gender-specific or political. He seems to be that calm center. I I think it's very interesting to observe the other characters in the show and how you have this idea, say, of masculinity and how that's projected by other characters and how that's approached by other characters and it's almost as if Geralt is like the anti-masculine in this program and that to me is a very curious direction to take a show Uh, I'm not saying that it's undue or unexpected but curious and I really have enjoyed the outcome I think that I wasn't expecting to like his portrayal of the main character, but I ended up being really, really drawn into it and and drawn to that character. So um, that uh, that was pretty special for me. The show itself, uh, again, is high fantasy, so there are going to be a lot of special effects involving magic and uh, fantastic creatures, etc. So there, you know, it's chock full of that and. The way in which the narrative progresses is not linear at all. And the way that it's presented to you is done in such a way that it's quite subtle. It does not lead you by the nose. And it does ask you, the viewer, to be paying close attention to what is happening um, so that you can discern at what point in time certain episodes are taking place in the timeline of the story uh, and sometimes even from scene to scene and if you aren't careful you can lose track of that as as I did and I had to kind of go back and reestablish where I was at in the story but on an episode to episode basis I found it a little irritating but once we got to the end of the show and I was able to examine it on the whole I found that it was actually a very clever device and a very eloquent way to tell the story by starting in in the now and going to the past and then back to the now. I thought that it was actually very elegant and I ended up appreciating it a lot more than I thought that I was going to. So I'd certainly give The Witcher at least two thumbs up. I think maybe a thumb and a half. I don't I think I still have this tip here, yeah, it's it's still good. Um, <laughs> the only reason I would say that is because uh, it does come with a jingle. It does come with a jingle that you've probably heard already, and I, I don't want to spoil it for you, but once you've heard it in this show, you will not be able to get it out of your fucking skull 
for a long time, and you'll probably have to replace it with something more annoying. Uh, you know, go go get yourself Rick Rolled. That might help. But uh, definitely, if you have access to Netflix, check out The Witcher. Moving on, y'all. One of my favorite things to do in a new year is to scope out all of the new films and books and comics that, well, maybe not all of them, but the ones that might pique my interest, all the ones that will be coming out in the following year that I can get amped up and excited about. So the one that I'm going to start with is The Rise of Kylo Ren by Charles Sewell, published by Marvel Comics. It Its first issue came out in late December of last year, just before the release of The Rise of Skywalker. And The Rise of Kylo Ren, as you can probably surmise, focuses on the transition of Ben Solo into Kylo Ren. And right off the bat, that first issue, it gives us something that I know a lot of us really wanted to see in The Force Awakens and probably The Last Jedi. We The, the Knights of Ren are alluded to, they're shown, you get an idea of what they're all about and how Ben Solo will become connected to them. You also get a glimpse of Supreme Leader Snoke outside of the context of the First Order, and you see aspects of the relationship that he has with Ben Solo, which, again, are things that I'm sure that we wanted to see in the last three Star Wars movies. So we're getting that. I think I sort of predicted that a little bit in one of the last episodes, but we're very much getting that. And we are up to issue two now, which um, is sort of a flashback story, even within the context of uh, the rise of Kylo Ren and and this taking place before the sequel trilogy. It's a a flashback within a, a retelling, I suppose. Uh, you could look at it that way. And uh, it's really good. I mean, I would not expect anything less than Charles Sewell, uh, but it is really good. And I am totally looking forward to issues three and four of this series. On Twitter, Charles Sewell had mentioned that in issue three, it might have been issue three or four, he said there were a handful of story beats that he knew uh, he knew that they were going to drive, or that we were going to be nuts for, I think is what he said. And I, you know what, I believe him. Uh, the other thing, of course, that uh, I'm super looking forward to is the continuation of the new Star Wars series that's also penned by Charles Soule. Um, this takes place between episodes 5 and 6, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And we, um, we, we were given... That blank was filled in for us once upon a time with Shadows of the Empire. I'm curious to see if they're going to take any cues from Shadows of the Empire and or maybe give give it a few polite nods here and there because Shadows of the Empire was so relevant to us as Star Wars fans. It was like getting another Star Wars movie when we never, any of us thought that that was something that was going to happen. So some nods would be pretty cool, but I'm also really curious to see what sort of original ideas uh, they're going to cook up and and uh, subsequently publish in that book. Now, interestingly, it does begin, the story begins with a flashback to the duel between Luke Skywalker and 
Darth Vader where, you know, there's the reveal. Uh, you probably knew that already, that, uh, that Vader is, of course, the father of Luke Skywalker. I, I think we're well past the point of uh, spoiler warnings there. But um, with that said, part of the visual narrative is the severed hand and that hand gripping the lightsaber falling into uh, that chasm in Bespin. So what's interesting about that to me is that it could possibly signify that we're going to see what happens to that saber. We might get an idea of its journey from leaving Luke's wrist to winding up in the box uh, belonging to Maz Kanata at Takodana. I really hope that's something that we see. Um, I drew a, a connection or rather, I, I formulated a connection between that and something that I read in the uh, visual dictionary for the Rise of Skywalker, and it it couldn't, you know, it could mean nothing. That's absolutely true. I I acknowledge that, but in the visual dictionary, it, it refers back to Maz Kanata and Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. It says that she she promises to tell the tale another time. So maybe that's Pablo Hidalgo just saying, Hey guys, just wanted to remind you that she, <laughs> she did make that promise or maybe, uh, you know, Lucasfilm is doubling down on that and saying, Hey, we, we haven't forgotten. We are going to tell you. And if that's the case, I bet that it's going to be in the pages of star Wars that, uh, just started last well, did it start last month or did it start? It might have actually started at the beginning of this month. I don't really remember, but uh, the second issue should be out soon. And I think that's something that, that I'm going to enjoy, and I bet that a lot of you will too. Lastly, in the Star Wars universe, uh, Darth Vader is getting a new volume. Um, the last two were extremely, extremely cool, and I don't have any reason to doubt that this one will not be great also. This is going to be penned by Greg Pak, and uh, Greg Pak actually closed out the last volume of the Star Wars main title published by Marvel, and it was very enjoyable. So I, we have some really awesome things to look forward to as far as Star Wars is concerned, and uh, I cannot wait. Now, uh, let's talk about the films, the films, the films that... My wife and I are certainly looking forward to this year. I'm going to go ahead and start with Wonder Woman 1984 because it looks truly outrageous. That orchestral redux of New Order's Blue Monday in the trailer says it all, though uh, the glimpse of that Ross-designed gold armor looks pretty slick on, uh, on Wonder Woman, so I can't wait to see that. Also, Pedro Pascal, that's just... Man, you know, I, I really hope that he becomes a hot ticket after this, coupled with The Mandalorian, because I cannot get enough of Pedro Pascal. Also looking forward to Tenet. There is, uh, there's not much known to me about this film apart from two things, that, uh, that it involves Chris Nolan and uh, David Washington. Um, if you toss in Robert Pattinson and Michael Caine, I can't imagine that I'm going to have a problem with this movie at all. Love the director, love those actors, and I'm very excited to see uh, what what newness that uh, that Christopher Nolan brings to us. You know, I'm a huge fan of Christopher Nolan, and guess what? I'm not remotely sorry about that. Up next, we have Black Widow. Now, this movie looks pretty sweet. 
And when I asked my wife if she wanted to watch the trailer with me, she responded to the film's title with simply, finally. Indeed, I say, uh, it's probably well past time that we got a Black Widow film. Uh, Romanov is a core member of the Avengers, and she hasn't taken the spotlight. So I don't, don't know why, but it is about time. And uh, go ahead and toss in David Harbour and Rachel Weiss and... You you got you got a happy camper over here. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, let's see what's next. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now this has got to be my number one most anticipated film. It's got the original cast. Um, obviously, don't know if Rick Moranis is going to be involved, but you can swap him out for Paul Rudd, and uh, which you know I don't know necessarily know if it's been a swap, but Paul Rudd is in the film. And I have absolutely no problem with that. Absolutely love that guy. Obviously, Egon is going to be missing from the picture, um, which is unfortunate, but he does appear, the character does appear to be the benefactor as far as the the home that was inherited and and perhaps some of the Ghostbusters gear. And uh, in, in the trailer, if you watch... It looks very much like you can see some of uh, Dr. Spangler's old goings-on. And on a desk, there are a bunch of Petri dishes that look as if they're holding suspiciously spores, molds, and uh, fungus, which I think is perfect, and it was a delightful thing to see. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy that, that that was included in the trailer, at least, and, and I hope that that is mentioned in the movie. Very, very much looking forward to that. Um, uh, let's see, what are some of the runners up as far as films that I'm looking forward to a quiet place part two, uh, we have, uh, a bearded Killian Murphy, which, um, I don't think you can really go wrong there. Halloween kills from, I believe Bloomhouse. It's going to be a sequel to 2018's Halloween, at least I believe so. But I have to, I have to say that I love horror, but I don't know that I love the idea of a sequel to that film. I, I was apprehensive when it was announced that they were even making that one to begin with, but then I watched it. I absolutely loved it. Loved the Halloween franchise. Uh, I love Laurie Strode. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is it's amazing. Has always been amazing, and man, she's still a fox. But uh, but how many deaths do we need uh, Mike to go through before we get it? You know, I'm, I don't know. It it could be cool. Halloween Kills. I'm um, not sure when that's coming out, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Uh, the Conjuring 2, or excuse me, Conjuring 3, very much looking forward to. Big fan of those films. I personally am not a big fan of the expanded stuff, like Annabelle and and uh, The Nun and all that. I think that, that they were better utilized within the context of the Conjuring films themselves. I know there are a lot of people that disagree, and that's fine. Uh, my wife is one of them. She loves, loves, loves those movies, but she really loves The Conjuring. And I do too, because the dynamic between uh, the, the characters on screen, Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, it's just fantastic. Love those guys. And there have been things in The Conjuring that have legitimately frightened me which um, I'm grateful for. Because when I go see a horror movie, guess what? I don't necessarily want to laugh the whole time. I like to be like to be a little frightened. Okay, so finally, I have Bill and Ted 3, which I think is tentatively, tentatively titled 
Bill and Ted Face the Music. I'm not sure about that, but I am sure that I love Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. So uh, why the fuck not? You know, I want to see what happened to those guys. Um, I really want to see how things worked out for them. I see that death is involved in this. Uh, if I was looking at some of the production photos correctly, or if I understood them in their proper context, which I think is going to be very interesting. So uh, 2020 is probably going to be a pretty good year for entertainment. I know that uh, that I, I'll be happy just uh, with my Star Wars books, honestly, but, but we'll see what happens. All right, y'all, that has been our show. I do apologize for the brevity of this particular release. I know that it wasn't the most stunning thing. Plans did fall through, and I did sort of have to improvise, as it were. Though, I think that it's okay. The January episode can be the stage setter. It can be the one that sort of leads us into the year and sets the stage as it were for what we can expect so with that said the next release that you're going to get from the sleeping giant podcast will be the first of many star wars podcasts that i will be doing with friends of mine um across the the spectrum of the saga as well as the anthology movies that were released over the last few years. I think it's going to be really fun. Those will be released in tandem with the regular Sleeping Giant shows, which will still come out once a month. So you'll have two releases every month, probably about two weeks apart. And I'm working on some other stuff too that I'd really like to release between those two shows. So I think 2020 is going to be pretty fun. I think it's going to be pretty cool. And I hope that you all will continue to join me along uh, that ride, that journey, as it were. Okay, so keep in mind, we still have the Black Series Mandalorian giveaway going. That's going to be running until the very end of January, and all you have to do to win that Black Series figure is make sure that you're following at the Sleeping Giant Podcast on Instagram. Make sure that you rate and review us on iTunes. If you like, you can take a screen grab of that and send it to us on on Instagram or Facebook, whichever, because sometimes iTunes can be a little funky and your review and rating won't go through. So if you want, you can take a screen grab and send that to us and uh, you will be entered. Now, if you'd like an additional entry, you can share that on Instagram, on your story, and that will count as a additional entry into the giveaway for the Mandalorian Black Series figure. So, still have ample opportunity to do that. We are not uh, we're not yet to the end of January, so by the time you hear this, you should still have plenty of time. Well, folks, here we are at the end. I've been your host, Grayson Parker Marcott. Thank you for listening to the Sleeping Giant podcast, and until next time, y'all.